This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, Dave here. Just letting you know that our book Highs, Lows and Decanios is now available at a knockdown price of just 10 quid. Myself, X and Sid Lambert relive the roller coaster ride of being a West Ham fan in the 90s. Whether it's Bonds or Boogers, Radichoyu or Redknapp, Stuart Slater or the one and only Samasia Boo, it's all in there. Plus we've got four words from Hammers Heroes, Julian Dix and Tony Cotty. So if you want to give yourself or a West Ham fan you know the gift of nostalgia, go to thewesthamway.com forward slash shop and get your copy of Highs, Lows and Decanios for just 10 quid today. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWH employee. This week we talk about being absolutely robbed at Bramall Lane, Danny Ings rolling back the years, a goal from a fella called Maxwell, Ben Johnson in midfield, an FA Cup exit to Bristol City and an exciting pre-match event before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. I called the old Bill last night to report a fucking robbery at Bramall Lane. Before we talk about the piss poor officiating, give us your thoughts on the actual performance. Uh, a bit mixed, really. I mean, it wasn't the greatest of performances, was it? I mean, we sort of should really, I guess, be dominating the game a bit more against, uh, you know, bottom side in the league. That said, we did have a lot of injuries and a lot of players out. You know, if any team's going to miss calibre of Kudos and Pacatar and Alvarez and Antonio and... Who else was out? Aguerd, you know, so you're missing five very important players there. So that said, it's not that it's not a bad, terrible performance, but you'd have hoped you would have been able to put the game to bed despite all the terrible refereeing decisions. But a draw at Sheffield United is not the worst result in the world, and but it's just as, as you, we're going to allude to it's the circumstances of it. I thought. 
<clears throat> I thought I need to give a shout out early on to Danny Ings. I thought he played really well, rightfully won um, patron man of the match uh, award. Definitely would have been my choice. And I think that, um, you know, obviously a shout out to Corday, got his first goal for the club. And Ben Johnson, you know, last three, four games where, you know, he was sort of match criticised last season. Played really well. And in midfield as well. So it gives us an alternative option, I think. And no shout out to those players. But yeah, you can't help but leave that game feeling massively disappointed at the end result. Oh, blimey, that's an understatement. Jesus yeah. Christ. Isn't it? And we will get to that. But, mm. do you know, when we was at the game, I, I, I couldn't really see the, the, the finer detail of that challenge on Areola. So I, I kind of had to take the referee's word for it because I, I, I couldn't dispute it either way. And... The, the Jared Bowen one, again, we will come to it. That was a stonewall the second it happened. Everyone in the stadium. Oh, yeah, we knew it because it was right in front of us, wasn't it? We both it was right in front around, of us. You, we you both turned around yeah. and said it to each other, didn't we? And we were like, yeah. what the fuck? That's definitely a penalty. Like, yeah, um, you couldn't have missed yeah. it. But, but So I was pissed off, but it wasn't until I got home and watched it on telly and saw both incidents when I was absolutely raging. I mean, my blood's still boiling now. I'm not actually yeah. looking forward to talking about this because I've got the no. right fucking hump now. Me, me um, too. But like I say, we, we will talk about it, but we've got some other things to talk about. And I think you did make some really good points there, actually. I think to go away to Sheffield United, I think Chris Wilder would have seen that as a game that he could and should be winning at home with at times a decent atmosphere um, with a depleted West Ham, really. And I think that's really important. I think we win that game comfortably if we've got Paqueta and, and Kudus playing for a start. Mm. Um, and I think actually to go away from home to Bramwell Lane and score two goals, I actually felt quite sorry for David Moyes because I, I, it, it wasn't the greatest of performances, granted. Uh, I was disappointed at the fact that I thought Sheffield United wanted it more than we did. Uh, and there's no excuse for that. It wasn't pretty, but I didn't expect it to be. Um, but that said, we were unlucky. And you're right, it's circumstantial that, that we didn't come away with more than just a point. But I did think in terms of quality, Sheffield United were there for the taking. I thought they were very poor in the ball at times, especially in the final third. Yeah. Um, but, you know, such is life. I have to say, a, a funny moment from yesterday was the chant, I was there when Cornet scored. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. A man that's been brought I mean, back from the dead. How good was it to see Maxwell get his goal? I mean, he must have been over the moon with that. Yeah, really pleasing. I mean, I actually don't think he played that well, aside from the goal, but obviously mm. a goal can give you a boost and hopefully you can kick on from there. And I think at the end of the day, we paid, what, 18, 20 million for him. He had a good pedigree before he joined West Ham, I think. Hopefully this will enable him to go on and, and kick on with his career. I mean, I'd rather we played him out now ahead of Syed Ben Rama and ahead of Four Nails because I think those two particularly have had their chances now both done a fairly decent job for West Ham you know if they leave West Ham tomorrow I'll say thank you you know particularly you know, Ben Rama got runner up in Hammer of the Year last year Four Nails played a big role over his time here you know that winner at the the semi-finals of, in Europe will always be remembered and you know big you know thanks to both of them but I, I think both of them now have played as sort of fringe players this season and just not really performed whereas Corday's not had the chance the odd chance he's had got an assist in Europe um, for Suchek when we were in back at Apola and then he scored yesterday so hopefully he can put his injuries behind him and, and build on it I mean that said I mean if an offer comes in for him this window West Ham will take it but if it doesn't then then I think oh, yeah I'm pleased for him and, and I hope he continues to build upon that goal 
Yeah. Good finish, uh, to be fair. It was a good finish, a very good finish. Um, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think he, he wasn't fantastic yesterday. But then again, we are talking about a player that is crying out for a run of games. I mean, yeah. any professional footballer would tell you it's hard to instantly find form when you're not playing on a regular basis. And again, talking of circumstances, with, with Saeed, I'm, I'm assuming that this, you know, that, that could be the last um, time we see him in a West Ham shirt against Bristol City. I don't know. Time will tell. But this is an opportunity for him now to work hard in training, get his fitness to where it needs to be, and then get a run of games. And then hopefully, with confidence, you'll see the best of him. Because he, he just hasn't had the opportunities. It hasn't worked out for him so far. But I still think there's something in his game that could benefit West Ham. I personally wouldn't want to give up on him just yet. Because one thing that he has got, and it's a key attribute for a winger especially, is pace. Mm. which is something that we've struggled with in recent times on that left side uh, wing. So, you know, I, I think he should be given a bit more time and hopefully he will be given that. But it was good to see him score. You mentioned Danny Ings there, X. I mean, I'm sure you'll agree that's comfortably his best performance in the West Ham shirt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was really good. I thought he, he did quite a few. It's not what you associate Danny Ings with, but quite a few turns, quite a few tricks. Obviously, bought the penalty. Was unlucky not to score another goal. I thought he played really well. And again, if he can build on that performance, you know, it's, you know, West Ham fans love a funny chart. We're seeing, you know, the Declan Rice song to him. You know, ten more years, ten more years, yeah. Danny Ings. Yeah. Which would take him up to art. Well, up to my age at forty one, forty two, I think. So, uh, yeah. Maybe not, but I thought, yeah, he's. Uh, I thought he, that was, yeah, that that, and probably the two goals he scored against was it Forest last season. I think, yeah, those were the two best performances he's had, and and I think you know if he can build on that, then brilliant because you know actually in his role. You know, because he's not playing almost as an out-and-out striker. He's playing sort of slightly deeper in that, like, number 10 role. I think if he could maybe make that his own, he's got a bit of a, a, a way into the team there because, obviously, you know, Pakatar can play more central. You know, you can have Kudos on one wing. You can have Bowen on the other. Like, you know, he could be the one that sort of brings it all together almost. But, you know, it's a bit early days. It's one performance. But, yeah, one, one, one good performance and fair play to him. And let's hope that's the start of many because I, I think with his wages, you know, we're, st- we're going to be stuck with him either way until, um, until you know, um, that contract gets less and less. So we've got to make the best of a, what at the time seems a bad situation. But, you know, as I say, one one good performance to build on there and hopefully he will and, you know, he can go out to have a good second half of the season. Yeah. Well, credit to David Moyes as well, because I think tactically he used Danny in the right way. And, and one thing that he has done very well recently, Moyes, is, is the rotation of the positions in that final third, because it does also keep the opposition constantly guessing. And it's hard to prepare against an attack mm. like that when you are using a rotation method. Well, and yeah, if Danny well, can fit into that, then brilliant. Yeah, spot on, mate. I think you make a good point there because what's important to note as well is that Cornet seemed to be changing wings and he was actually more so on the right for the start of the game and then his goal came from the left. So, like, you know, they were swapping around, bowing him and, and as you say, I think that's important because it stops the full-backs you know, getting too used to what they're playing against. So, yeah, I think you're right. Moyes alternating that forward line. I see a lot of it's been forced upon him, but I still think he's managed that forward line well, yeah. He has. Yeah, he led the line really well. Good link-up play, quality on the ball. 
I mean, look at the penalty one. The ball coming to him at pace, but he's produced a world-class, controlled little turn there. That was a fantastic bit of play and then showed the intelligence when he was in the box to win that penalty. And then mm. not forgetting Maxwell's goal came from Danny's initial effort as well. So yeah. he, he was brilliant and um, he deserved a goal. I think he was gutted he didn't get one, actually, um, because he must feel the pressure. He's not an idiot. He mm. must feel the pressure knowing that the fans know how much money he's on versus what he's giving back to the club. And it's not a nice position to be in, money aside. It's not a nice to, a position to be in when you're in the public eye and you're not performing as you want to be performing. So I was pleased for him personally that he, he did that. And do you know what? There were some groans in the stand when Moyes took off Cornet and replaced him with Ben Johnson. Because, I, I mean, even I, at first, thought it was a defensive move and that somehow he was going to play five at the back. But as it happens, Ben was instructed to go forward, be progressive, um, and show intent. And I think he made a difference when he came on, which, again, you have to give credit to David Moyes for. Mm, I thought he played really well, mate. I mean, it was a shame. Obviously, Shafal got sent off and he had to revert back to full back. But he, yeah, when he was in midfield, he did really well. It's actually worth noting that when he started in the academy, I think he actually started as a midfielder and then they sort of made him a bit more specialist, putting him to full back and stuff. So he's obviously had experience in his earlier life as playing as a central midfielder and that showed. There was quite a few good turns, quite a few good balls. <laughs> and what he's shown recently, when coming on as a sub, is a bit of energy and a bit of um, drive, you know, and, and credit to him because that's what you want from fringe players, you know, fringe players that haven't, mm. you know, been starting and are playing for their place and so on. You expect them to come on and at a minimum put in maximum effort and energy to prove that they should be in the team. And too often we have players that are, are on the fringes come in and just don't seem to really care. Whereas obviously Ben Johnson does. He's been at the club since he was like, I don't know how old, but you know, 11 or something. You know, and he's he, he's been all the way through. He's one of our own. And there is more to come in my section on this, but I think we should get him on a on a long term contract now. And I think the club, the club seem to agree. Let's just get him on that deal and have him for as long as we can, because he seems to have turned it round and credit to him for having the attitude and the desire to do that. It would be easy for him to have just said, right, looks like I'm going. I'm going to take a big, a bigger pay deal at the end of the season to go elsewhere. But it looks like he's trying to get West Ham to pay him what he thinks he deserved. And on the back of the last sort of three, four performances, that I think he deserves it, and he got ticks a lot of boxes. Homegrown, mm. versatile, mm. and a good lad. He's very, very professional. You know, he doesn't. I don't think he. I don't think he drinks. I think he's quite religious. I think he sort of stays in the really go out and stuff. So he's like almost like the the perfect professional. He gets on with all the lads. So I think, yeah, if I was West Ham, I would start to really push to get him tied down now because I think we could do a lot worse than having him in the squad. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think you're right in terms of his professionalism, so maybe I'm answering my own question now, but whether he would be comfortable signing a new deal essentially as a squad player, because that's what I think Ben is. I think he's a great squad player for the reason you mentioned, versatility. I mean, we know he can play right back, we know he can play left back, and as he's shown, he can do it in midfield. In fact, I think that's where he spent most of his youth in midfield, as you say. So mm. versatility, homegrown, and the fact that he, he is a decent player. I think we've got to hold him down, but whether he wants to do that and has genuine belief that he has got a route to consistent first-team football remains to be seen. But be interesting to keep our eyes on that because, like I say, I'd, I'd like to see him stay, that's for sure. Mm. Well, the man that stole the headlines from that game was Michael Salisbury, the referee who was as useful as a fucking concrete parachute, let's be honest. 
Um, <laughs> let's start with the penalty he gave to Sheffield United. McBurney, who has a reputation of being aggressive, likes to throw an elbow, famously quite a dirty player, platters in Areola. And Salisbury, who morphed into Stevie fucking Wonder, gives a penalty. Why? <laughs> Um, I'm going to try and do it from his perspective first because... Oh, fuck me. Good luck with that. I know, exactly. Let me just state. I think it's not a penalty and I'm majorly, majorly pissed off. I didn't think it was a penalty at the ground. I didn't think it was a penalty when I, and I certainly didn't think it having watched it on TV. Particularly in an era when goalkeepers are arguably overprotected. Yes, you know, the yes. amount of times when a goalkeeper goes for the ball and... Like, they just need to be brushed by the opposition and, and a foul's given that we've all got frustrated on that from the flip side so for it to then go the other way where he's basically elbowed in the face and it's seen as not a foul it's just ludicrous so don't get me wrong for one second I think it, I don't think it's a penalty I'm really pissed off of it but in the order of balance I'm going to try and see uh, from what the ref saw now I think he just saw Ariola come out for the punch and mistime the punch and almost jump into McBurns. That's what I think he's arguing. But if you can ever get some accountability from these refs, which just seems to be impossible, which is arguably the biggest thing wrong with referees at the moment, I think he thinks Ariola almost dives into McBurn because he kind of, his dive, when he came out, it wasn't a full, fully in control dive. It was a bit of a desperate punch. And I'm almost going to say that's what he thought that he kind Kind of like he was the one that almost jumped into McBurn, but when you look back, you can see that the elbow hits him in the face first, which is why the the, the jump isn't as convincing as it might have been. But the bottom line is, and the thing that frustrates me more than anything, okay, whatever the ref saw or didn't see, whether he got it right or whether he got it wrong, the beauty, so so be it, or so meant to be at the moment in this football age, is that we have VAR. So whether he got it right or whether he got it wrong, he should have gone to VAR. They should have asked him to look at it. They should have played the replays that we've all seen. They should have seen the fact that Ariel's got a busted up face anyway. Yeah. So something yeah. must have happened. And then called it as a not as not a penalty and I just cannot understand why regardless of whether the referee gets it right or wrong the biggest thing for me is why VAR didn't come and intervene mm, absolutely mate absolutely and I can feel my blood pressure going through the roof as we're talking about it but <laughs> yeah. firstly I'm going to ask you a question I'm going to give you multiple choice on this as well okay. the Sheffield United striker that we're talking about between us we've given him three different names so is his actual okay. name McBurney <laughs> McBurns or McBurn? I have no idea. You know what I'm like with nicknames? What's his first... With, with names, what's his first name? Uh, Ollie. Well, let's go with Ollie then. Let's call him that. And we, both, we can agree that he's called Ollie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mate. Um, I mean, look... It, it... I don't even know where to begin. It's not even a debate. I mean, uh, credit to you for trying to see logic, and I understand what you're saying, but Ariola has every right to go for that ball, as does McBurney, but McBurney leads with his elbow, and he smashes Alfie in the mouth. I mean, on what planet is that a penalty? And you make a really good point. We live in an age where keepers, if anything, are overprotected. But yeah. the one time you should actually introduce a bit of protection to a goalkeeper is that. And he doesn't get it. Honestly, on what planet is that a penalty? I can't even begin to see the logic in that decision. And you know what? I'm not the only one because former Premier League referee Mark Clattenburg said this, and I quote, this is not a foul by Alphonse Areola on Ollie McBurney. It's a foul by McBurney on Areola. 
If you know football and you know Sheffield United and you know Ollie McBurney, then you know he's going to try and disrupt the keeper. He does that by launching his arm into Areola, who's left with a bloody lip for his troubles. It should be a free kick to West Ham, yet Salbury awards a penalty to Sheffield United. And it's interesting that he said that because normally there is this referees union, isn't there? Yeah. But they obviously think the geezers are cunt as well. <laughs> in 60 seconds later, X, Jared Bowen is wrestled to the floor in the box. The most obvious penalty you will ever see and it isn't given. I challenge you to try and find logic in this one. Okay. <laughs> I, am, I want people to understand that I'm not doing this, but that I agree with what I'm saying. I'm trying to see it from a ref's point of view. Of course. When, when the ball comes in, they both do have their hands on each other. If you look, and you look closely, and it showed it on Match of the Day, Bowen's hands are on... Um, whatever that Sheffield United player's name is, on his shoulders, right? And so when the ball comes in, you could argue, if you just see it for a split second, that um, Bowen's almost dragged him down, like he's kind of got hold of him and fallen over and dragged him down with him. Maybe that's what he saw, but apparently he didn't even give the foul for that. He no. gave a foul for a handball, yeah. but, yeah. which makes it even ridiculous. But again, to go back to my previous point, whatever the ref sees needs to be challenged. There's no point having VAR if two crucial decisions in the space of like two minutes or whatever it was don't even get looked at. And then, you know, there's even more decisions that we haven't even talked about yet. The Chafal one we need to talk about but and the red card for them. But this one, like again, look at it. That's the point of having VAR. And when it's at such a crucial stage, like literally the last kick of the game or whatever, you've got to look at it. And the ref, the ref didn't know whether he was making the right decision or not there you know he's taking a gamble we're on 50 50 whether it's the right decision or not he's basically guessed because he has no idea and you know yes maybe in the run of full time you know when it's going at full speed and everything's happening you've got the pressure of the crowd maybe it is hard to, to see because there was you know from a distance it might have looked like a 50 50 but you and i were, were probably further away from the incident being in the crowd than the ref was big on the pitch and both you and I called that as a penalty straight away we like looked at each other flabbergasted that it hadn't been given and and again why is no one getting in his ear he's got a fucking microphone headpiece on why is no one not in his ear saying listen mate you might want to go and just check that just to be certain that you made the right decision and I know we argue we don't like football being so stop start stop start but when it's such crucial decisions like that that could arguably cost West Ham a Champions League place if you look at the grand scheme of things or a place in Europe or whatever it could save Sheffield United from relegation you know these are the big decisions we're talking about out here, you have to double check, otherwise, there's no point having the technology there. Yeah, look, he's bottled it, mate. He's bottled it. He knew it was a penalty, but he's bottled it. He didn't have to check that. No one has to check it. It's the most <coughs> obvious penalty you'll ever see in your life. The defender has his arms wrapped around Jared, uh, he's all over him, and he's not even looking at the ball. I mean, no. it ticks every box for this to be a penalty, and then he wrestles into the ground. It is a stonewall penalty. And do you know what? I will say this referees are the traffic wardens of football right? They've got no authority in their personal life, so they give themselves the power they crave by becoming a referee. The problem is, that uniform doesn't change the fact that they are still little shit weasels that don't have an ounce of fucking bottle between them. So rather than make the easiest decision of his career, he shits himself, and that's cost us two points. And you're spot on. What if we don't qualify for Europe this season by two points? Mm -hmm. It'll be because of him. 
referees are costing clubs points, which equals success and equals money. And it, mm. and it could literally define a season. Stupid things like this. But this is what I don't understand, right? As humans, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But what I will not accept is when is when people that are paid good money to referee at Premier League level are making obvious mistakes. Mm. They, are, they are making the wrong decision based on obvious incidences. Mm. And that is where I really start to have a problem with it. And you're absolutely spot on. What winds me up even more is that VAR didn't even look at it. Why mm. not? That's what yeah. it's there for. If you are a shitty little weasel fucking bottle job, stop the game and ask VAR to make that decision for you. Mm. If, you, if you. If you ain't got the bottle, take it away from yourself, give it to the trogs at Stockley Park, and they can take the heat. And then mm. everyone in the ground knows you stop the game to get a bit of advice. And then VAR has decided it's a penalty. And then everyone can have a moan at the, 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 the fellas at Stockley Park rather than the referee. And honestly, the standard of refereeing in this country is absolutely farcical. Absolutely farcical. And well, I, I just, honestly, these spineless numbeds, where are the consequences for them? The, the, yeah. There are none. And yeah. as for VAR itself, look, it doesn't matter how good the technology is. If you have absolute Muppets sitting behind it, it's a waste of money. Absolute waste of money. The fucking Chuckle Brothers would do a better job, and one of them's dead. You know, so I, 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 I can't. Hey, honestly, I'm fucking raging on the back of that. And, and they well, go yeah, on never, and they fucking. Never have there's no accountability. There's no accountability for these fucking twats. I'm so fucking angry, mate. Honestly, the more I'm talking, the more I'm getting fucked off. I mean, look. <laughs> let's hear from a surprisingly calm David Moyes. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Boss, after 900, 1,000 games, football never fails to stagger you, does it? I mean, we saw probably more in injury time than you do in most matches. Yeah, like, it was it was a difficult game for us. We didn't play well. Our performance wasn't at the levels we'd, we'd want to be, but getting three points was, was my job and to try and find a way of getting getting a team not playing so well not having our best players to to get the points we just about done it uh, things didn't go for us today definitely didn't go we, we actually felt that in the first half we didn't thought that we'd have a lot of decisions were really against us so and in the end we think the, the late ones were really really difficult to take when you've only got 15 senior players you've you've got a fit your jigsaw together a different way and and you did do that you know you, you have players on the yeah. pitch that you've not used as much in the Premier League and one of them's got a goal and the other one's won a penalty and, and set yeah. the other goal up. But hey, 
we have to do that. Every club will have to do that sometime in the year. You just don't have you know, everybody fit. And if you only had your best players, then other players wouldn't want to be here. So we need to give other players opportunities. They had their opportunities in the last couple of games. It's given, it, given all the supporters the opportunity to see see the players and have some opinion as well as, as me as the manager. So, look... We we should have come away with three points. I'm disappointed because three points today would have been a would have been a hell of a result with what we've got away from home in the Premier League and and in the end we probably we probably gave away two points in the end, yeah. In the conditions and obviously with the circumstances, we we created enough chances to score four or five goals and when you send your team out that's that's what you wanted to do. When it, when it was two one we had a great chance to make it three one. I thought, Oh here we go, this is it, the game's over here. We didn't get the finish. I thought in the first half it was 1-0 we had a chance to make it 2-0 we didn't take the chance and we always just were giving them an opportunity to find a way and by the way they it was an old fashioned scrap for long parts of the game lots of long throws lots of free kicks in the box mm-hmm. balls up to the forward players and hey I've got no problem with that at all mm-hmm. uh, we didn't pass it well at all we never got the ball down and played it never really had the ball under control too many people giving the ball away in the first half but look we ground it out, we got something from the game uh, and we'll take it. It's very easy to get caught up when the game gets as frantic as it did at the end, You know, whether you're a fan, a manager, a player, an official. Obviously the penalty's given for them and then there's a review and then we see what happens there and there's, there's questions around that and then right at the end, you know, I've seen it back and it does look like Jared's looking at the ball and their defender isn't and it looks like a foul. So... When you take those two incidents in isolation, it is disappointing because in those moments, we'd have had a chance to, to yeah, win well, the game again. If one of them had gone our way, we'd have won the game. Mm. And we didn't get any of them to go our way today. But that was, as I said earlier, I thought today very, very little went our way in the whole game. Mm. That's what it felt like. Mm. We were we just seemed up against it in all, all the decisions. Uh, yeah, so... So. It's still one defeat in ten, boss, and yeah. um, and we're still sixth in the table. And we're home next game. We need to go into that game positively. Oh, definitely. Hey, mm. winning any games away from home, yeah. you've got to remember this: is a Sheffield United team who've had a revival, mm. have pushed teams really close. Aston Villa, Liverpool. Mm. So the managers come in. Yeah. Probably today for them was maybe a, a game where they felt if they had to win to mm. give them a any real chance of maybe uh, getting out of the bottom three. Yeah. So it was a real. We were up against it, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt, with some injuries and suspension. Yeah, not suspensions, but uh, well, suspensions. Yeah. yeah, but also boys away. So we've we've had to take our medicine a little mm-hmm. bit today. Mm-hmm. But look, we stood up. We fought against them. We tried to challenge it. We just in the end, don't think it was necessarily all the players doing. We just didn't quite get it over the line. What did you make of that post-match interview, mate? Do you know what? I think credit to David Moyes has done very well to be so self-controlled, given what a you know a ridiculous um, afternoon it was. You know, obviously you and I are both absolutely fuming, and I think he he actually held it together quite well. And you know, it's a credit to Ian Taylor and his media team for the briefing they would have given him, because rightly so, Moyes would have been fuming about that. And Ian Taylor's uh, head of PR and media relations and so on, he him and his team would have sat down with David Moyes 
was and actually said to him, listen, there's no point going out there and absolutely destroying the referees because it doesn't amount to anything. You know, you, all that happens if you, and this is another thing that's so wrong about it, if you go on to, you know, match the day or wherever and you, and you destroy the referee, you, all that happens, nothing comes back to them. All that happens is you get a fine or your club gets, you know, you get sent to the stand or whatever it may be. So it's only a detriment to the actual club like West Ham that you're representing. I also think by saying he doesn't want to talk about it and, yeah. you know, we're, and we're at this situation now where, you know, where what more can you say? It's almost that speaks louder because it's almost saying like there are literally no words that I can say that can that, that are worthwhile because it's so bad and whatever I say is just going to be stating the obvious anyway that it's almost better to just not say anything. It's like sometimes the power of silence is more powerful than the power the power of words and I think that's exactly what what's came up there and you know that he's fuming about that. If he wasn't fuming about that then, then he doesn't care to be West Ham's manager and we all know that he does. It, 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 it is... It is a very controlled, media-trained interview, but deep down, you know full well he's absolutely raging, and he just, but he just knows that there's no point. And again, as we keep alluding to, it's the lack of accountability for these guys, and that's the example again there. That there's, there's literally no point. You can't say anything, and that relates to Shafal's red card because Shafal's first yellow card was because he was pointing out that the red card that I called in the stand again. Remember, you're next to me. I said to you mate that's a straight red he's just gone right through him and it was right down the other end you know we were behind the other goal and when I said I said that's a straight red it's blatant he's gone straight through him and he's not in control and then the ref goes and gives him a yellow card so Shafal rightly so because he's you know his fellow fullbacks lying on the ground in agony Um, I mean how much of agony he was in because he got up quite quickly but it looks like he's in agony and and he's gone and said to the ref surely that's a red card he's got a booking for it then He's done a very like you know it wasn't a great tackle but it's a it's a tackle that probably could have got away without booking and he sent him off because he wants to level it up for the red card that he's given previously to the ship which should have been a straight red and not a yellow and one other thing as well which I don't know how many people picked up on this when Danny Ings was fouled for the penalty the guy that fouled him had also been booked Right, so why did and he said there's a double jeopardy rule, but I don't think the double jeopardy rule comes into play when it's only a yellow card. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. It's if it's a straight red. I think, but whatever the case is, there's just so many incidents here throughout the game that he's just gone wrong. The crucial decisions. I mean, the one time he's gone to VAR, it's pointed out that he was wrong with the red card for their player, um, and all the other times he hasn't even bloody bothered to go. Um, so we've had a play player sent off wrongly the player actually sent off because he pointed out that the referee had got something wrong in the first place we had one of their players not sent off originally because he called that wrong that he's called two penalty decisions wrong I mean Jesus that's like that's four incidents there major incidents they're not to mention some of the little ones oh and the poet the penalty for you know I know I mentioned that so yeah that's four major incidents there that he's called wrong <clears throat> you know if any of us in our day jobs or you know, you know, working in a crucial role or whatever was to get four massively like massively important things wrong we'd be hauled in in front of our bosses possibly given a warning possibly even given a last warning possibly even dismissed whereas he'll referee next week and nothing would have come of it 
I know. Yeah, you've summarised it perfectly, mate. He's had an absolute nightmare. Uh, I don't know what more I can say. Honestly, it's it's just it was an incredible performance for all the wrong reasons. Absolutely flabbergasted with that performance from him. It was incredible. I also agree with what you're saying about David Moyes. I think you know the um, the great philosopher. Ronan Keating said that um, you say it best when you say nothing at all. But uh, honestly, I, I can't. I can't talk about this prick anymore. Um, Michael Salisbury, not Ronan Keating, by the way. Um, <laughs> That's what's he done? <laughs> I've got you up with everyone today. Yeah, you exactly. can fuck off, Bex, and all. That won't be the first time you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's not been the best week for West Ham, X, has it? Um, the FA Cup's oh. gone now after losing to Bristol City. We were there fighting a losing battle with hyperthermia. A disappointing night at Ashton Gate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, seems so long ago now, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I definitely can remember the cold, that's for sure. Certainly when, a, certainly when a taxi didn't turn up for about 45 minutes after the game to pick us up. So yeah, I think I'm still thawing out now, but yeah, it was, it was a very, very cold day there, but and a very poor performance again. But once more, I'm actually off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly what, oh yeah, it was their dirtiness. They were, they were just like fouling constantly, weren't they? No, uh, I, sent you at the game on the, the foul on Ings. I said, that's a red card. Yeah. You know, and, 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 I, and I don't know how. And I'm not a refereeing expert. I'm as qualified as any other person listening to this show. But some things are so obviously red cards or bad fouls, particularly now in football, as I keep alluding to, where, you know, it's not like the 70s. The 80s, the 90s, where you could crunch someone and you had a player like Julian Dix that knew they had at least one or possibly two bad fouls before they'd get any discipline. You you know now, any tackle that's uncontrolled or off or, or you know, above the ankle or doesn't get the ball or whatever it may be is going to be a red card. And again, the just doesn't happen. Just doesn't happen like in that game. And this time in that referee's Defense. Sorry, I'm so angry now. I've got to give myself the hiccups. Um, that, um, that, uh, that, um, that, uh, That's a symptom of anger. Yeah, exactly. I seem to get them when people get people get them when they laugh, don't they? I get them when I'm angry, but the um, <laughs> just to be even more weirder than I already am. But um, yeah, they um, in the referee's defence um, in the Bristol City game, there was no VAR, so I mean, he still had an absolute terrible performance because he's not been able to call it himself. But at least he's not. You know, not had the backup of VAR. He hasn't had the backup of VAR to help him out. And again, I, like I, I sometimes think, do I feel bitter as West Ham fans? Are we just bitter? And it happens to every team. And you know, we should just get on with it as football. But it, it does. I I don't think it does happen as much to other teams, unless I'm just paranoid. But also, it shouldn't be the case where you just get on with it because. Football has changed, and we've both said this many times before. Football has changed for the worse. For having VAR because it slows the game down, you can't celebrate a goal properly. It gets most things wrong anyway. Blah, 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 blah. But you know now the quality of refereeing is meant to be better, and it's got worse. So you can't, there's no, there's no way you can justify any of this. And it's just another thing, you know, it cost us an FA Cup place. I think, you know, we did we didn't play well. Mavropalos is a terrible back pass. You know, mm-hmm. again, I think the keeper could have done better on that as well. Although he was sold massively short, wasn't a great performance all round. So the players have been excused, and the manager, I guess, for another poor performance. But you can't help but think what would have happened had the refs had the balls to actually make the right decisions. Yeah. 
No, I agree. Again, um, and I think it's really important to note, actually, that last week we reached out to patrons asking for some general feedback. What do they like? What do they not like? What would they change? What would they like to see? And uh, the response was fantastic. We got some really, really good posts back in that respect. And uh, some of the ideas we're going to be putting into place, and one of them being that we are actually going to have a brief post-match discussion after a midweek game, which I think is important because... Talking about Bristol City now does seem almost like a thing of the past, especially when emotions are so raw after Sheffield United. So just to let everyone know that we will be having a a discussion after a midweek game. Okay, um, some good news now, X. uh, As we can confirm our next pre-match event at the Colour Factory, it will be on Sunday, the 11th of Feb, 10 till 1 before the Arsenal game, where Mad Dog will be joined on stage by not one, but two genuine West Ham legends in Julian Dix and Alan Devonshire. X, this is one not to be missed. Yeah, I mean, why would you miss this? I mean, let's be honest, it's literally round the corner from the stadium. It is a, a 10 minute walk. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a well, a sort of an ex fat boy. I'm an intermediate fat boy now. Um, and I, and I can, and I can make that journey in 10 minutes. Um, and I don't struggle. <clears throat> it's literally around the corner. You know, if you don't drink, cause admittedly in the past, I'm not a massive drinker. You know, that I might choose an away day or a weekend where I I do suddenly get really, really hammered, but on the whole, I don't drink that much alcohol. So for me, sometimes I'd have been a bit like, oh, I'm not sure I would go because of all the inclusive drink, blah, 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 blah. We've taken that dilemma completely away from you. You can come for just £15 if you're a non-patron, but most of the people listening to this will be patrons, so £10 to you. Um, and you don't, then you just buy your own drinks if you want, or you just don't buy a drink if you're not that bothered, and you get to still meet Julian Dix, Adam Devonshire, and Martin Allen. That's three, three players that made significant like contributions to West Ham's history. You get the music. We've also got um, a talented musician who's a patron. He's going to be playing outside the venue for us as you queue up. You got great. I've got some great prizes for the for the raffle as well. And you know, it's just a great way to start start the event, start the day, and stuff. And you know, obviously it's a Sunday, so you have to get up a bit early. But you know, you get you get into Calafatchi, you beat the crowds. You're there. You know, you're going to get to the game on time, and you're going to meet some heroes. And you know we've still got the all-inclusive drink option for those that are more of Dave's persuasion. That's still there, <laughs> and uh, you've got the cheaper ones if you're more of my persuasion. So it caters, it caters for everyone. And you know I'd, I'd love to see as many people there as possible because that's what these legends deserve. You know we can't mm. sit here and moan about you know David Moyes' style of football and how bad football is nowadays and how he missed Upton Park and how he missed the old days when we're giving you two, three. But it's two different guests this time who graced Upton Park and were legends of the club. You know, Julian Dix not only was a player for us, but was there on that last ever day at Upton Park as the assistant manager. And he then transferred into the new place. So it should be a really, really, really interesting event. And I hope to see um, as many of um, our patrons and our listeners at that at that um, event, definitely. Couldn't have put it better myself. Right. You know what time it is? Call in all West Ham fans. Are you a patron of the West Ham way? If not, why not? For the price of a point, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham way podcast with Dave and X. Over 100 interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans. Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen. 
a show with Tony Cotty, the U Irons podcast, the West Amway USA, a transfer window show with Demi Chef, an expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs, you'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.